Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. At the moment, we have electricity that's working because as much as I can project my voice, I don't think I can fill up three or four parking lots, y'all. So pray that our electricity will kind of hang in there for the moment. Just kind of goes to show us that uh, putting a generator on our long-term wish list might not be such a bad thing because we count on electricity so much for so many things. Good morning on this glorious morning. If you're joining us here and you don't know much about us, Recreate Church is a community of life and love where our goal is to get people connected with Jesus and get people connected with the community. And no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see Josh and Marissa over there. How, how much longer? Like two weeks and the new baby's coming. Very, very exciting. You don't even look miserable. You don't look like you feel miserable at all. She's got a baby coming in two weeks. Well, you're putting a good face on misery. That's a very happy face for a miserable person. So very exciting. Pray for Josh and Marissa that things will go well there. I'm so thankful for our Easter services last week. It's kind of hard to count in the parking lot, but this is the most folks we've had for, for Easter um, didn't get to go around and say hello to everybody this morning, so hello from a distance. Sorry we uh, couldn't talk directly, uh, uh, kind of working on this electrical problem. I do want to do some prayer this morning. We have some folks in our church family who have some very big needs. A lot of y'all know DJ Stoneman. If you've been around him, it's hard not to know him. He's such a good old soul and such a friendly person. He is very, very sick with covid and turned into double pneumonia. We've been praying for him. So I want us to pray this morning for him. And we're also going to pray for Billy and Kelly's granddaughter, Riley, who uh, has cerebral palsy. We've prayed for her before. She's got some serious issues going on. She's in the hospital. And we're going to pray uh, Sandy's son, Andrew, whom some of y'all have met. Just a, a great guy. He is a part of a church plant down in North Carolina that's starting today. So we're really going to pray for them as they're starting a new adventure. We've been there, right? Some of y'all have been there from the beginning. Church plants are, are interesting to be a part of. You uh, do a whole lot of work. It's a lot at the beginning, and a lot of that work is prayer. We're going to join them in prayer. So would you pray with me now? And We're also praying that the Lord will lay his hand on the electrical powers and keep them going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that we can come and we can worship you and we can learn from your word. Thank you that at the moment our electricity is working and we pray that continues. Uh, We lift up to you today some very important needs. Lord, I want to pray for DJ Stoneman, who is so sick. Lord, thank you. He, He and I have been friends for so long and he's a big friend of this church and In the early days, he helped unload that trailer so many times. I pray that you'll bless him and look out for him, that you will heal his body from COVID, that you will be with his wife and his kids and restore them all to fullness. Lord, please bless them. We pray for Riley Honeycutt, such a sweet young lady, that you would bless her and take care of her. Lord, we pray for good news to come out of that. And Lord, I do want to pray this morning for Andrew and for the folks at Christ Church that is launching today. Lord, right at this same time, they're beginning to meet. So I pray your hand would be on them, 
that you would guide them, that you would raise up the right people that you're calling to be a part of that, and they would make such a big impact in their community. And Lord, we pray for Recreate Church, that we would be the community of life and love that you have called us to be. Thank you for the folks that you have gathered and for this time that we have spent even outdoors And you have blessed it so much. Thank you for Easter services last week. And Lord, I just want to pray that you will be making us ready for the time when we're able to have indoor services again. Don't know when that will be, Lord. I pray that you will show us very plainly and that we might be able to move confidently back indoors. I pray you help us get ready for that. We give you the glory and ask that your hand will be on this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And hear that, we still have electricity, so prayers are working so far, and we're very thankful for that. Some of you have asked about how how can we help be a part of getting the building ready again. Well, this Friday, probably starting about 4 or 5 o'clock, I'm going to be up here, and anybody who wants to come help, I'll probably be up here a while. There's a lot to do, lots of big things and lots of small things, and no matter your availability or physical ability, there's something that you could do. Uh, If you're going to come, give me a heads up, okay, so I'll know who's coming and can kind of be prepared and and, uh, know what sort of work that we can get done. So that'll be Friday if you want to help with that. That would be fantastic. Well, this week has been a, a strange week, and the message that I've arrived at is is not typical. The message is called The Art of Dodging Spears. We're going to talk about how to, what do you do when someone throws a spear at you? Throws a spear. I mean, when, when someone throws a spear, do you have a plan for that? Because I guarantee you, you will need to know what to do when someone throws a spear at you. And I could, through the glare of your windshield, I can see your faces and I can read your minds right now. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, 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 Pastor Michael, the cheese done slid off that boy's cracker finally. He's talking about throwing spears. I don't know what he's talking about, and he don't know it either. Lord, you better take care of him. Okay, let me just say, before you think that that I have uh, gone off the deep end somewhere, uh, I think you are going to know, need to know what to do when someone throws a spear at you. But is, is that likely to happen? Uh, well, depends on what you define as a spear. Is someone going to be throwing a pointy stick at you? Probably not. At least I hope not. Now, if you have a little boy in your family, there's a possibility that you'll have a pointy stick thrown at you. The little boys do that sort of thing, and some little girls too. But most likely, you'll not have a literal spear thrown at you. That's probably not going to happen. But does anyone ever throw something at you that's meant to hurt you? Maybe not a sharp weapon, but what about sharp words? Aha, now that's more like it. We can relate to that. Does that ever happen to you? Um, Do you ever have some words aimed at you that are critical or jabs? Or you got anybody you know who is the master of the backhanded compliment? Uh, I've known a few folks like that. Yeah, those are probably going to be thrown at you. What about hateful looks and hurtful jokes and subtle digs at your character? Oh, yeah, those spears are probably going to come your way sometimes. Um, The guilt tripping and the shaming and throwing your past mistakes in your face. Oh, man, okay. You know, for me, I might rather get 
a, a point, throw a pointy stick at me before you start doing some of that. Because if someone pokes you with an actual spear, it's going to hurt. But that kind of thing heals up. However, the hurts that go deep inside our heart, when people uh, try to hurt us or, or even unintentionally hurt us with their words and their actions with what they say or don't say with what they do or don't do, some of those wounds go so deep that you have a hard time ever letting them go. I bet you can think back right now, if you took a moment, and remember something that was said or done when you were in elementary school, that when you think back on it, it, it stings a little. One story that comes to mind to me, it's the one that comes up before. So if you've been around Recreate a while, you've probably heard me tell this before, but I just want you to, if you've heard this before, act like it's the first time you heard it, okay? You got me ready? All right, thank you, thank you. Just act like you hadn't heard this before, okay? <laughs> I, when I think of uh, things that were said or done years ago that for some reason still stuck with me, I think of a field trip that I took when I was in the third or fourth grade. We went to Barter Theater. Anyone ever been to Barter Theater in Abingdon? That's a cool place. That's a super cool place. And they were showing Treasure Island. Man, I read the book Treasure Island. And when I was probably in about the third or fourth grade, so I was all excited for Treasure Island. And it, I even, I got dressed for the occasion, okay? Uh, I would have dressed as a pirate, but m- mom didn't really buy me pirate clothes. I mean, that's, that's pretty reasonable because I probably would have worn them. And that, you don't want to send your kid off to school wearing pirate clothes. I did, however, have a Hawaiian shirt, which I thought was islandy enough to be applicable to, pi- to a pirate show. Okay, you with me there? So I've got this Hawaiian shirt on. I'm ready. Um, now, by the way, I did not look remotely like a pirate. I looked like Chunk from the Goonies. That's what I looked like in that Hawaiian shirt. But anyway, I felt good about myself. And I walk in, and I get front row seat right in the middle of Barter Theaters, front and center. And the show gets started, and it's amazing. I love, I love it so much. And and one of the actors comes in who's playing a pirate, and he comes in from the back of the room, and he's shouting piratey insults at people um, in the audience as they come in. I don't remember all the nature of the insults. I don't know what pirates normally say to people. I've never met a real one, but he was, you know, he said, you're, you're, uh, you're one of them land lovers. I sound like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. Get in there and make them Krabby Putties, boy. Anyway, that's, there's, there's my Mr. Krabs for you. So he gets to me, and I'm sure this was the plan all along, and this wasn't intentional, and he didn't pick me out. It was just happened to be where I'm sitting. He gets in front of me, and this pirate leans over me, this intimidating pirate, and he says, Arr, you're so ugly. And everyone laughs, and it's a good time, right? Except little eight- or nine-year-old me is like, I'm ugly? Did, he just, did the pirate just call me ugly? <laughs> And you know, that is so dumb. And I know it's dumb. And you'll tell me, preacher, why'd you let that pirate hurt your feelings? He didn't mean it. He's an actor. And I know all of this. But it still took me about 30 years to get over that, okay? It was like sometime in 2019 when I decided that that pirate was wrong about me. And I'm not ugly. My mama thinks I'm handsome. My wife thinks I'm handsome, and that's all that matters. That pirate, he didn't know what he's talking about. And it's silly, though. I mean, that is completely dumb. But, like, decades later, 
I can still see it and I can still hear his voice. Now, you guys probably can tell some stories of some things that have been done to you that hurts a lot more and cuts a lot deeper than some silly pirate and an insult that was completely just an act. You guys can probably tell some stories about how people have really pierced your heart with some spears by the things that they have said and the things that they have done. And, and if you told that story, we wouldn't be laughing. We might be crying. I bet you can tell some stories of people who have done things to really hurt you. So we know that although we might not have a literal spear thrown at us, or we hope not, potential pain will be hurled our way. So we need to know what to do when those spears of hurtful words and hurtful actions are thrown at us. Just so happens, I know a guy. My kids are always telling me, Dad, do you know everyone? Because everywhere I go, you know, around here anyway, like, Dad, why are you talking to that person? Well, I know him from this place. They're like, do you know everybody? I said, no, honey, I don't know everybody. But I know enough people that if you're misbehaving, I'm going to hear about it. So just keep that in mind. But I do know a guy who's an expert on dodging spears. Well, I never met him. I know about him. He's um, a famous guy. He's most famous for two things, one for killing a giant and the other for being the greatest king God's people ever have. And we've been studying him. His name is David. Last week, we saw how he killed Goliath. That was pretty awesome. Weeks before that, we saw how he did other things. And David is such a fascinating character. And uh, just so turns out that the time between those two things he's most famous for, killing the giant and becoming a king, he spent years having spears thrown at him, and he got really good at dodging spears. No one ever managed to hit him with a spear, and I think he can teach us a little about the art of dodging spears. We're going to be in three different passages. Um, I'm not going to be reading this word for word. We're going to read some scripture at the end, but it's so much of it that you need to read this for yourself and get the details that I'm not able to get in in this short time. The first one is in 1 Samuel 18. And we're going to learn three lessons today about the art of dodging spears. The first lesson we're going to learn is why people throw spears. David was most famous for killing Goliath, and that was quite a feat. But that is where his trouble with spears got started. As you might imagine, if you manage to kill a giant in single combat and you're a regular-sized guy, that's going to make you an instant celebrity, right? So he becomes famous overnight, and his bravery becomes widely known, and he was such an inspiration that even though he was still a very young man, probably no older than 18 or 19, if that, Saul made him a commander over part of the army, and his fame grew and spread very, very rapidly. People started writing songs about David and his military exploits, even though at this point he hasn't done all that much. Nevertheless, they start writing songs about him, and he comes he becomes a, a folk hero very, very quickly. So as King Saul and the army, along with David, they're marching back home after the defeat of the Philistines, the people of Israel come out of their homes and out of their cities and towns, and they're playing musical instruments, and they're singing a song. And the song goes something like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to quote it. It says, David, or the song goes like this, Saul, King Saul, has slain thousands 
and David has slain tens of thousands. Ooh, well, who who's obviously getting the better end of this song? They, King Saul has slain thousands, and David has slain tens of thousands. Now, strictly speaking, neither one of those things are probably true. They, uh, Saul probably had not killed a thousand enemies personally, and David certainly has not killed tens of thousands. To this point, so far as we know, David has exactly one confirmed kill, and that's Goliath. So even if you count Goliath, since he's really big, as multiple people, it's not quite accurate. It is hyperbole. It is poetic license. Saul has slain thousands and David tens of thousands. So how do you think Saul is handling this? Oh, not too good. Not too good at all. Saul starts to grow jealous. And he says, why are they singing about David slaying tens of thousands? And they they only say, I have slain thousands. Meanwhile, he's probably not single-handedly killed that many people. That would be quite impressive in itself. But, But he gets really jealous because he's the king, and he feels like they should be looking up to him, not this shepherd boy who just kind of showed up out of nowhere and slayed this giant. So this anger of Saul just grows and it festers and it turns into hatred and even fear getting to be a problem. Before David joined the army, before he faced Goliath, he had a couple other jobs. He was a shepherd. We talked about that. But He had been plucked out of the shepherd field to work for King Saul uh, playing music. He was a court musician for King Saul. King Saul had a problem that some evil spirits were coming and bothering him, and David had the job of playing soft music, sweet music, to comfort Saul when this fit came on him, and, and most of the time it worked. But one day... As this evil spirit is tormenting Saul and David is trying to soothe him with music, Saul grows so angry and has such a fit that he says, I'm going to pin David to the wall. So he takes a spear and he throws it at David. King Saul is an expert at spear throwing. He's a great, big, strong guy who's fought in many battles. He knows what he's doing with a spear. He knows how to throw a spear right through someone's heart. Thankfully, David is even better at dodging spears than Saul is at throwing spears. Now, unfortunately for David, he's kind of stuck here. Okay, David was, uh, this spear that that Saul threw at David, it missed him. He dodged it, but it's it's stuck in the wall, and he is not physically harmed But don't you know that's not a good feeling? I mean, he's not physically hurt, but you know it had to wound him because, well, for one thing, attempted murder sort of has a negative impact on a relationship. You know, if someone you're supposed to be close to to, tries to kill you, that's going to be a problem, okay? You're going to have a hard time sort of having peaceful interactions with the person who tried to kill you. I can, I can understand that. So he is hurting, even though physically he is unharmed. He's hurting, you know, spiritually and emotionally. Here's this guy he looked up to because he's king, and he tried to, to kill him. Unfortunately for David, he couldn't just 
leave. He, he was in the service of the king. He was kind of stuck with a spear thrower. And this wasn't going to be the last spear that Saul threw at David. Shortly after this, very similar situation. David's playing the harp, trying to do his job. Saul throws another spear at him. David dodges it again. Now, this is getting to be a problem. Did David ask for any of this? No, David didn't ask for any of this at all. He didn't deserve Saul throwing spears at him. But then it wasn't really about David, was it? Saul was throwing spears not because of David's issues, but because of Saul's issues. You ever had people throw spears at you when you didn't deserve it? No, no not, not real spears, not pointy sticks. I mean, I mean, when people have hurt you with their words or their actions, with what they say or what they didn't say or what they do or what they, they don't do, people have hurt you like that when you didn't deserve it, right? Ever had people say ugly, hurtful, mean things to you? Or, or do things that just hurt you and you really didn't deserve it. And you're actually trying to be on your best behavior. That's the worst, isn't it? When you're trying to be good and bite your tongue and they're just keeping on doing what they're doing. And, yeah, it's pretty tough. We've all been there. And, and even some people that we otherwise have good relationships with, you know, maybe people who live in our house, sometimes we have those moments where a volley of spears is exchanged. Well, here's something to consider. When, when people throw spears at us when we don't deserve it, it doesn't hurt less, does it? Kind of hurts more. Like, hey, I don't deserve to be treated like this. But to be fair, most of the time we, we don't think we would deserve that kind of treatment. We would think that whoever's in front of us is, is not making the right choice. But So how did, how did David handle it? Well, David, David kept doing his job. He didn't have a whole lot of choice in the matter, but he, he kept showing up and he kept doing his job. He understood this principle, evidently, that the way people treat you says more about them than it does about you. Did you catch that? I'm going to repeat that. The way people treat you says more about them than it does about you. And conversely, the way you treat people says more about you than it does about them. Here's a fact of life. Kind people treat people with kindness, even when they don't deserve kindness. I know maybe that's not a hard and fast rule, and it's not going to work all the time. But in general, a nice person will treat people nicely, and a not nice person will not treat people nicely. And it doesn't depend nearly as much on the person as it does person who is receiving the treatment as it does the person who is dealing it out. And someone's going to say, wait, 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 wait. What if they mean it personally? Well, they meant it personally. They personally meant to hurt me. I, I, they, they, that was a very personal insult that they gave. Okay. Um, in this story, did it appear that Saul meant it personally? Well, he did say, I am going to pin David to the wall and then throws a spear. That seems kind of personal to me. I mean, I'm not... I admit I'm no expert on sociology or psychology or any of that. That seems kind of personal when he says, I'm going to pin you to the wall, and he attempts to do it. It seems kind of personal. But did David take it personally? Well, it almost seems like he didn't because he didn't leave out of there bad-mouthing Saul and telling everybody how awful Saul was. He, David 
didn't seem to take it personally, as strange as that seems. Here is a principle that, that I wish I could personally grasp more. I'm going to share it with you, not because I'm an expert in it, but because I know if we can ever grasp it, it will help us. Here's the truth. Just because they mean it personally doesn't mean we have to take it personally. How's that? If you're writing stuff down, write that one down. Just because they mean it personally doesn't mean you have to take it personally. And if I could ever get that principle into my, down from my head into my heart, I'd probably be a lot happier man. Because uh, turns out, as much as I don't like to admit it, I'm a little sensitive when people talk mean to me. Unlike y'all, y'all were tough people, I'm sure, but I'm a little sensitive. If I can ever remember, wait a minute, just because, just because they mean it personally, I don't have to take it personally, I think we'll be a lot happier. So uh, let's learn another lesson. This comes from the next chapter, 1 Samuel 19. Again, I would encourage you to kind of follow along and pick up some pieces here. Lesson number two is about the nature of spears. Spears are close-range weapons. You got to be close to someone to hit them with a spear. It's not really a long-range weapon. It's a medium-range weapon at best. And the closer you are, the more dangerous it is. As Saul grew in jealousy towards David, David grew closer to some of the important people in Saul's life. He built an especially strong friendship with Jonathan, who was Saul's son. Jonathan became David's best friend. I mean, they were closer than brothers. Now, also remember (laughs) that one of the rewards for killing Goliath was that David got to marry the princess. The princess is the daughter of the king. Saul is the king. So David married Saul's daughter. Ergo, David is Saul's son-in-law, which should be hopefully, a close thing. Now, I don't know what kind of relationship y'all have with your in-laws. I hope it's positive. Um, I'm pretty blessed that, uh, by and large, I've had a very positive relationship with my in-laws. You know, very good. Or at the very least, none of them have ever thrown a spear at me. If you have had one of your in-laws throw a spear at you, I want to hear this story. (laughs) Okay, some of y'all have some other stories that you could tell that weren't so nice, but unless it specifically involves a spear, well, we might have to save that. But if if there's a spear. Anyway, he's Saul should be close to David. You would you would think that that Saul would be close to him because David is is Saul's son's best friend. David is his son-in-law and for a period of time Saul loved David. He was a musician in King Saul's court, and he, he did some essential things. He was an essential worker, so to speak, in King Saul's court, and, and he appreciated David at one time, but instead of using that closeness to, to build something positive, he used that closeness to attack David. So David uh, told his wife, well, here, here's what happened. So Jonathan is telling King Saul that David is actually a good guy and that he should, you know, he should be kind to David. But every time Jonathan says something positive about David, Saul gets angrier and angrier until one day, once again, Saul throws another spear at David while he's playing music. And David 
because he's the master of the art of dodging spears, he's able to move out of the way, and the spear drives into the wall. That's how hard he threw it, that it drove into the wood-paneled wall and stuck there. This time, David decides he's not going to go back, and he goes home, and he kind of plans his escape. He tells his wife what's going on, say, hey, I got to get out of here, and uh, she agrees to help him. She lowers him uh, down from a rope at night, and that must have been, this would make a good movie. Why don't they make a movie about this? Lowers um, David out of a window on a rope at night, and when he has made his way out, she lays a statue in David's bed and covers it up so it looks like David's there and even takes like a, a bit of goat's hair. I don't know if it was cloth or just kind of some goat's hair and puts it there and makes it look like um, his head of hair and uh, to buy him some time. King Saul, though, is so angry that he, he sends his men to go get David. And when they arrive there, when the soldiers arrive to get David, his wife says, no, you can't go in. He's sick. Of course, that was not true. He, he was gone. But that fooled him at first. And the soldiers go back to Saul. And they say, Saul, we can't get him right now. He's sick. And Saul says, I don't care if he's sick. You go get him if you have to carry him in his bed and you bring him to me. So they go back, and of course, when they go in to carry him in his bed, they find out that's not David in his bed. That's a statue that has been put in there as a decoy. And, and Saul gets pretty mad at his daughter, but bottom line is, David is now on the run. He's on the run from a person that potentially he could have been close to. Uh, David worked for Saul. They, they could have... He, Saul appreciated him. He was the best friend of Saul's son. He was Saul's son-in-law. They could have been close. They could have had something good going there. But unfortunately, spears are more effective at close range. The closer you are to the person with the spear, the more likely they are to be able to hit you with the spear. And if someone is really close to us, they don't even have to throw it. They just kind of have to reach out and poke us with the spear. Now, that's unfortunately true for the other kind of spears as well. It's the people who are most close to us who are able to most easily hurt us with their words and their actions because they know. Sometimes the people who push our buttons best are the people who are closest to us because they know where the buttons are. I'm sure I've been guilty of pushing some buttons of the folks closest to me too, you know, if a stranger on the highway yells something rude, you can probably just kind of let that go. Say, well, okay, okay, buddy. But if someone who is who you're supposed to love, who's supposed to love you, does something mean or hurtful, it's a lot harder to let that go. It, it cuts so deep when someone you're close to, like a family member or friend, uses their words or their actions to hurt you. Man, that cuts so deep. The worst kinds of betrayal can only be perpetrated by those who are close to us. The worst kinds of abuse can only be perpetrated by those who are closest to us. Only The only people who can stab you in the back are people that you feel comfortable having behind you, people you think are behind you. So man, does it ever hurt. Doesn't that complicate things? It sure complicates things because if the people who are closest to us are the ones who can hurt us, it makes us not want to let people get close, doesn't it? It makes us want to guard our hearts. 
Uh, we think maybe the best solution is not to let anybody get close, to, to keep everyone at a distance so they can't hurt us or to build walls around our hearts. But did you know that isolation is its own kind of spear? And you can guard your heart so closely that you break your heart? And you might even find that the pain that was in the past from people who used to be close to you, and they're not necessarily so close anymore, not in your life anymore, but it makes it difficult for the people who are in your life now to love you. You see, the people who are in your life now, they don't even have to throw a spear at you to be a problem. All they got to do is bump up against a place where someone else poked you with a spear. Sometimes the ghosts of our past relationships haunt our present relationships. Chances are, if you're a married person or in some kind of long-term relationship, that something that happened to you or your significant other in the past has complicated the relationship you have now. They weren't even necessarily a part of that or, or you weren't a part of that, but it is still affecting the relationship today. Spears are most deadly at close range. So we can start to think, let's just not let anybody close. But that's not what David did. David kept his heart open. He realized that not everybody is going to throw spears like King Saul did. When he escaped from Saul, he went to Samuel the prophet, and he got counsel from God, and he got encouraged. If someone is throwing spears at you or you've been wounded by the words or actions of someone close to you, find some good counsel. Cry out to the Lord. Find some peace in him. He can work healing. David also confided in his best friend. And you know what David didn't do? He didn't publicly blast the person who was trying to spear him. Of course, they didn't have Facebook or Twitter back then, but he didn't even go out in the public square and tell everyone that Saul was such a bad guy and, and Saul was the guy attacking him. You know, he could have said plenty and it would have been true. People could see David's heart was right though because he didn't trash King Saul. And in doing so, people could see that David's heart was right and he was trying to do the right thing and that he didn't ask for any of this. And people started gathering to David. They found David inspirational partly because he, wouldn't, he, he didn't trash King Saul. And uh, he's going to get a chance, though, in just a moment. If he wants to, he gets to throw some spears back. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 24 now. And lesson three in the art of dodging spears we need to resist becoming a spear thrower. Now, I asked you the question at the beginning of this message. What do you do when someone throws a spear at you? Well, maybe the most natural answer, the most obvious answer has been staring us in the face the whole time. If someone throws a spear at you, you pick it up and you throw it back at them. That's the natural thing to do. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but it becomes the easiest thing to do. When someone does something hurtful to you, we learned from the time we were children that if little brother or big brother or little sister or big sister does something mean to you, you go ahead and go straight Batman vigilante and administer some justice right there and even up that score. And if anything, you add a little bit to it because you want them to know that you're not going to put up with being treated like that. You can't be pushed around, that you stand for justice, and you won't be treated this way. Or if you don't do confrontation, then there's those of us who don't actually do confrontation. And instead of 
pushing back against the person who hurts us, we squeeze it down into a little tight ball on the inside so that it it blows up at some completely inappropriate moment, and you still end up throwing a spear at someone, just not the one who threw it to you in the first place. You just freak out on the cashier because they got your change wrong, or you you know you you, you freak out at this other person in one person in your life who really didn't deserve it because you're really angry at this other person in your life, and and it just comes out here, and instead of throwing a spear at the one who threw a spear at you, you throw a spear at someone else, you know. And, of course, that's not so healthy either. When someone throws a spear at you, the natural inclination is to become a spear thrower, to either throw one back at the person who hurt you or to take it out on someone else. Happens all the time. When we have been hurt, the natural inclination is to become hurtful. It is a unfortunate principle of life that people who have been hurt tend to hurt others. Or to shorten it, we would say hurt people hurt people. It's true. That's what it, what people expected David to do. That's what some people even encouraged David to do and said you would be completely right if you were to hurt Saul back for what he's done. In this story, King Saul chases David all over the country for years and years. David's always on the run. He doesn't have any peace. This goes on just forever. And and um, whenever Saul heard that David was in a certain area, he would get an army together and they would go track him down. One time he heard that, that David was hiding in the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul raised an army of 3,000 men to go chase down David and find him and kill him. So David was hiding in a cave. This is an interesting story. David is hiding in a cave. And it just so happens that Saul is marching through the area and he passes this cave. David and his men are hiding in this cave. And that is when Taco Bell hits Saul. And he needs a bathroom, okay? He, I, I know they didn't have Taco Bell, whatever they had back then, Falafel Bell. Something Middle Eastern. I don't know. But Taco Bell or Falafel Bell... <laughs> Hits, hits Saul, and he's like, man, i gotta, I got to find a bathroom. And because he's king, he's not just going to kind of do his business out in front of his army. He's going to try to maintain a little dignity. And he sees a cave. He sees the very cave that David's in. Of course, he doesn't know David's. Man, this is all kinds of awkward. He goes in the cave, and, and I'm going to assume because he was in there a while that it wasn't number one. It was the other, other one. And um, David sees Saul come in. But Saul doesn't see David. Must have been a pretty good sized cave, and Saul is just in the kind of the, the front of the cave. And um, Saul is taking care of business, so to speak, and and uh, did not know anybody else was around. Was not expecting anyone. Meanwhile, David and his men are in the back of the cave watching this, and and. Some of the men say, hey, David, hey, David, this is your chance. This is your chance. God is giving your enemy into your hand. This is your opportunity. You can get him back. Get, get a spear. Throw a spear at him. You can hit him. I know you can. I know you can throw a spear. Why don't you throw a spear at Saul and get him back? David could have called, killed Saul easily. Could have. They said, go on. For all that Saul has done to you, you should go, and you now you should get him. You should get him. So David takes a knife, and he creeps up very quietly behind Saul. I don't know how Saul 
did not hear him. Maybe Saul was struggling. I don't know. But he creeps right up behind him while Saul is, is relieving himself. And here's his chance. Here it is. He can finally settle the score. He can hurt the one who hurt him. He can get Saul back. He can make him pay. All those spears that Saul nearly hit David with now is a chance. So he raises the knife. And what do you think is going to happen? This is intense. This is really intense. What do you think is going to happen? Could you really blame David if he took his chance? Could you blame him? Uh, After all, David didn't ask for any of this. Saul started it. David, at most, was just evening up the score. So what's he going to do? He reaches out with that knife while Saul is completely distracted, and he cuts off the edge of Saul's royal robe. He does not attack the man himself. He just cuts off the edge to have proof that he got that close to him. Saul finishes his trip to the restroom. He does no idea how close he came to death. And Saul goes out of the cave, and, and, and when the other... When Saul leaves the cave, David's men are like, what are you doing? We've been, if you had just killed him, we could have gone home. We've been on the run with you too. What, what are you thinking? And David says, I'm not going to touch the man. God is going to settle this score. I'm going to trust God to take care of this. I'm not going to do it this way. I'm not going to kill a man, stabbing him in the back while he's trying to use a restroom in a cave. I'm just not going to do it. God is going to have to settle this score. So David stands up, and he walks out of the cave behind Saul, and he says, hey, King Saul. And King Saul turns around, and he's absolutely shocked to see David. And David says something, and this is a paraphrase. He says, King Saul, why are you believing? King Saul, my, my Lord and my king, why are you believing the lies that people tell you that I'm against you and I want to hurt you? Look what's in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe just now. If I wanted to kill you, I could have killed you. Don't you see? I don't mean you any harm. Can't you understand? Please stop chasing me. I don't want any of this. Now, in that moment, King Saul, to our surprise, he apologized and he looked repentant. Unfortunately, this wasn't going to be the last time that King Saul tried to hurt David. And just a few chapters later, we see the same thing repeated again. David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't. And and it just goes on and on like this. Even after all the spears Saul had thrown at David, David refused to become a spear thrower himself. He refused to give back the hurt that was given to him. He refused to do to others what had been done to him. Okay, was he mistreated? Yes, he was. But he refused to become like the people who mistreated him. He refused to become just another spear thrower. Do you hear this? When we are hurt, when we are hurt, we have choices. We can repeat it or we can repair it. If you do not repair the hurt that was done to you, and seek healing in the Lord, you're probably going to repeat it. You're either going to hurt the person who hurt you, or you're going to hurt somebody else, or you're going to hurt yourself even more. The wounds will just keep coming. David chose to do something more than just throw the spear back at Saul. Now, a thousand years later, the most famous descendant of King David, his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Son of God, Son of David. God in human flesh. Man, I could just go on and on and on. I cannot tell you how excited I am for Jesus. Just be glad. Be glad that we got Jesus on our side. You see, Jesus 
finished up the lesson on the art of dodging spears. And he put it like this. This is in Matthew chapter 5. This is in a very plain spoken translation. But if uh, I think you will recognize these words. Jesus said, You have heard that the law says, The punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. Wow. You know, Jesus was pierced by a spear too. Hanging on the cross, they pierced him by a spear. And in that moment, he could have called down legions of angels. He could have called down every angel in heaven to come and stop it. But he didn't because he saw the bigger picture. That even the spear throwers sometimes work things out for the glory of God. And in the mistreatment that David gave to Saul, or Saul gave to David rather, everyone could see that David wasn't, that isn't what David wanted. Because David refused to become a spear thrower just like Saul was. He refused to become like the one who hurt him. That is the lesson for me and you today. People will hurt us. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional, but we, we're hurt nonetheless. We need to refuse to become like the people who hurt us. Jesus didn't become like the people who hurt him. David did not become like the one who hurt him. We should not either. If we really want to be the children of our Father in heaven, then we can't become spear throwers like the ones that throw at us. We can trust that God's justice is far greater than our own. You take justice into your hands, you'll have the best that you can do. But when we leave it to God, His justice is so much greater. And He can set things right so much greater than us. As for you and for me, when we're hurt, we need to choose healing. We need to choose not to become like those who have hurt us. We need to choose to trust in the one who was pierced by a spear for us, for our sins, and that is Jesus. I just want to pray for us right now. If you'll pray with me, Lord, God, We need your help because the spears are thrown at us. People will say things and do things to hurt us, and we need to know what to do. We don't want to become just just another spear thrower. We don't want to become like the people who hurt us. We want to become like David who trusted you to settle the score. We want to become like Jesus who was self-sacrificial, who was willing to lay down his life for the good of others. Lord, we need your help because we cannot do this naturally. Father, I want to pray for anybody listening right now who's hearing me talk about Jesus and is ready to trust in Jesus as Savior. Lord, may may they cry out to you and say something like this. God, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want this new life in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died and rose again for me. And right now, I give you my life, and I pray that you'll give me a new life in him, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for all of us that we might be people who are ready to forgive and release the hurt and to choose healing over throwing spears, in Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless all you guys. I'm so glad that you're part of this. Hey, praise God, our electricity held up. We weren't sure that was going to happen, so we say to God be the glory. I want to remind you that uh, don't know exactly when we'll be able to move back inside for services, but we're going to try to start getting the building ready. If you want to help, give me a shout. We're going to try to start working on it on Friday to get it, get it ready. We might still continue to have um, some outdoor services too because not everybody's going to be quite comfortable and ready to move inside and 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 you know, right now, some, some of us have some health concerns that we might need to space out. God bless you all. Thank you for being a part of this. If you want to know who, more about who we are and what we stand for, you can go to recreatechurch.org. That's the place you can also find out how to give, and you can look at some old messages and, and just see who we are. God bless you all. I'm going to send you off with some music. We will see you next time.